welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking to different people, both inside the hospitality industry and also the people supplying the hospitality industry and how COVID-19 has affected the actual industry itself. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. These conversations have been fantastic for me to record the last week. Uh, And I think you're going to get a lot out of it, no matter what part you have to play in the industry itself. Uh, Always remember as well, in the link of this bio, you can actually send me a message, a recorded message in question that I can use in the podcast further on. So always make sure you have a look at that if you've got any questions about the podcast. To the Open Pantry podcast for yet another episode. As I always say, thank you so much. Uh, for joining me and spending some time with me. Um, After much thought over the last couple of weeks with the COVID-19 outbreak, I remembered back to my podcast at the start of 2019 with my amazing friend, Jason Titus, who's about to join us. Um, And it was actually back in episode 19. So if you want to listen back to the Open Pantry podcast and listen to our first iteration of this, um, it's episode 19, but, uh, Jay, so good to have you back on the podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks, Sean. Mate, um, I can't believe it was all that long ago, back in 2019. It seems like literally the other day we were chatting and doing this. Yes, I know. But, but it's literally, it's an honor to be back on here, mate. Every time I listen to you, either if it's in a casual conversation or in a professional conversation like this, I always learn more about business or tenacity or perseverance or, or whatever. So, mate, I'm excited to hear some of your stories today, but um, especially to be back on the podcast. So, thanks, mate. No problem. Uh, likewise, it's um, it's it's always good to have a um, a great relationship with great people, and and ever since we've known each other, it's it's been um, been a bit of a bromance, mate. So, I think we've <laughs> always um, <laughs> we've always um, we've always been really good friends. So, I really wanted to have you back because. Probably of all the podcasts um, I've done up to this point, um, you know, nearly over the 50 mark, but the one between us has probably given um, the most feedback uh, from people. Wow. Um, and I've often thought, I've often thought maybe that's because it's about me and this is my podcast, but I think this is also because the way that um, you're able to interview me that day and, and, and get some stuff out of me. So that was, that was really good. So it's, that's a really long winded way of saying, um, thanks for coming back and agreeing to interview me again. <laughs> no worries, man. My wife normally tell, tells me to stop asking more questions. I'm, I always keep probing, you know. I don't know if it's because I'm a salesperson. I always, I always just want to peel back the onion a little bit further and see how much information people will give me. Yes. So, um, mate, I'll be trying to do that today. But I was going to ask you, mate, why, why have you got me back on here? Yeah, like, although that I love, uh, obviously love your voice, so it's always a reason to have you back on. Um, look, during during this time um, of so much uncertainty in the hospitality industry, um, I I think what when I look back to that episode nineteen that you and I did at the start of last year, the thing that most people comment on is uh, when I talked about my business and and how uh, how I was a business owner at a young age, but also the uh, the way that that wound up. And I think a lot of people at this moment in hospitality are sitting with businesses that are either closed completely, 
which I respect mm. that they they wanted to close and need this break and, and not sure what to do um, with the hope of reopening. And then those that are semi-close, they might be doing pickup or delivery or um, uh, ready meals for people and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's still in this moment where they're sort of thinking about what the hell am I going to do next? Um, I don't know what to you know, what to go through or when the, yeah. end, when the end is going to be. Probably the end comment is the biggest comment that I, that I normally get um, from people at the moment. Mate, so, yeah. It is, it is a crazy time, man. And I, I um, sympathise with all of the business owners that are, are really being hit hard by this pandemic. And, mate, I, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit from my own school, but I'm going to throw it over to you in a second. That, mate, mm. I, I've had three businesses myself. I've wound them up and... Um, it is a real heart wrenching thing to do, um, and it's it's it it's from a cash point of view, it's crazy. Um, but even just from an identity point of view, um, when mm. you sink so much of your identity and your life into something, it's crazy to wrap it up. But man, tell us, like maybe let's just start with um, if you could just give us a bit of a recap of um, your business and the events that led you up to wrapping it up. Mm. Um, and then the kind of process you went through uh, from a business point of view and also from a personal point of view of winding it up and, and it, maybe even t- talk to us a little bit also about where you are now just to show a little bit of the, the what's on the other side of something that is huge, you know, like of closing a business. So start with the story of what led to you wrapping up your business. Mm. So I guess... I guess to give a bit of context at the start, I'd, I'd, I'd started as a baker, a baker's assistant when I was 16 and, and came to the ranks of Bakes Delight and, and bought a, got offered a business at 21, which I purchased with a, a capital third of my parents' um, money in that business. So I bought it for over $300,000 and, and they put in a third of the cash in order to get the loan. So I owed them, you know, I, I felt like I, <laughs> I had, you know, <laughs> Um, it on my back straight away, but in a, in a really good way. And, um, and I, and I built that business up, um, um, slowly. And, um, there are a lot of things that were in the way to try and build it up slowly and stores opening around me and, um, and that kind of thing. But I'd, I'd done well and I kept my head above water and I was working, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours a week and slowly pushing through. Um, and then when I was around, I think it was around 25, um, uh, maybe maybe 26 uh, and Bakeslite came back to me and said look do you want to buy another bakery we've got we've got one on the market a couple on the market we've got one on the market which we really don't want to have and we think we can give it to you at a we know we can give it to you at a, at a really good price um, this way below market value and and it will uh, it'll make we think if you can get the finance for it it'll make your situation um, a lot better um, overall because it was a high turnover site. So, yeah, you know, even though I grinded really hard, Jace, like I really trusted those people as I should and no animosity at all. And um, I refinanced, not with the bank um, that I originally financed. So I went to them and I said, hey, I want to do this deal on this this new bakery. And they said, no, no, no way. You haven't got the cash flow to dictate it. We, we can't see it. Uh, we can only see it being more risk and we're not willing to make that risk. So I said, cool, and I changed changed banks and went to NAB. And um, National Australia Bank was really, really good, and, and they were uh, exceptionally um, behind me and really believed in, in what I was doing and why I was doing it. So 
uh, refinanced with them, had two bakeries, you know, with bakery managers in both stores and sales managers and felt like I was really getting somewhere. Um, had uh, So that was going for about a year or so, about 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, with both a, bakeries? With both bakeries, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it was good. I was taking sort of a day off a week at this point, sometimes two. Um, so that was a big step, right? Because I was working, I was working at least six days a week, if not seven. Yeah. And and you know, um, and that kind of stuff. So it was really hard. Um, had a had a bad breakup with a girlfriend. Um, uh, started to uh, get over that by drinking a lot. Um, decided mm. to go out with uh, decided to go out with a uh, a mate at the time. Um, uh, we drank a hell of a lot at this particular nightclub that we went to. We, uh, even though I drove to the venue with him, we both left in his car for whatever reason, which I can't remember. Um, and the end goal is that he unfortunately drove us into a tree at a, over a hundred kilometers an hour. Shit, man. Um, and you know, you've heard this story at length and we've <laughs> talked about it, but, but you know, obviously that was extremely serious. I, um, I woke up in the next thing I remember was waking up in hospital, uh, and I was in hospital for for three weeks, one of those in ICU and, uh, and couldn't bake, um, for a period of about, um, six to seven months after that car accident yeah. happened. So gone from working a lot in my businesses still, even though I was, you know, sort of working five, six days a week now, um, to working nothing. Um, and, and really just trying to, you know, uh, learning to, to learning to, walk properly again, uh, learning to write properly again. I had older nerve damage in my hand, so it was it was basically frozen, um, which is really bad when you're a baker. Like if you can't use your hands, like you're pretty you're pretty you're pretty much got nothing. Um and just had to had to regroup, mate. And and it took as I said, it took me six, seven months to actually get back physically into the bakery. Sort of within a month I was um directing my team properly and and um and having them come over my house and um, my parents' house at that point and, and talk about strategy and meetings and, and structure and what do we need to focus on and concentrate on. And, and my team at that stage was absolutely incredible. Um, they, um, during that, the whole time I had my team, um, Jace, over that, over that six or seven years, I had those bakeries. Like, I can't think of many occasions in which I was, upset pissed off had to sack many people like it was just it was just a really good culture that we were able to grow together and yeah and during that period of time after the car accident it was it was just so strong and uh they were so loyal and i'll always be grateful for that um but it was like the bakeries were struggling they had um had a slight turn uh downturn in in turnover which usually happens when a franchise partner is not in it physically uh, with any with any franchise business, and and it was um, it was starting to you know starting to lose some money because I'd had to you know replace myself physically in the business, which was always going to cost you know thirty to forty percent more than what yeah. I was paying myself. So and j- just just to give us some maybe I don't know if you, you feel comfortable sharing exact numbers, but maybe even mm. just like oh, ballpark, what were we doing before the accident, and mm. what kind of money were we doing? You know, after the, <clears throat> the accident, like mm. what, what kind of hit are we talking about here? So we're talking about the first, I mean, the first bakery was doing um, roughly, so I developed um, a wholesale business out of, out of the first store as well, which I wasn't allowed to do. <laughs> um, but but I needed to do that to, 
survive the first business in order to get the second one. So it was very, it was quite smart and entrepreneurial me at the time. Um, so that was about doing about seven and a half to eight grand on a good week, um, yep. which is sort of if you're working in your business, if you're working in your bakery, um, sort of five, six days a week, you can sort of at least start to make some money out of it in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like you wouldn't. Um, and the second bakery, we'd sort of brought that up to around 12 to 13, sometimes 14,000 a week. Yeah. Um, okay. And then after after um, the car accident happened and sort of the goodwill had dropped off and and the initial shock support had had worn off and it got to some normality without me being in the business, it was the first baker was probably doing around six and a half um, to seven thousand a week, uh, and the second was doing probably roughly around elevens to twelves, and mm. and so that might not sound like a lot, right? But but it is ten to fifteen percent, and and that ten to fifteen percent was my profit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, bakeries, bakeries. If you get good bakeries that you can manage the wage properly and manage your cost of goods properly, like you can make you can make pretty good money out of it. Um, but if if it is also a shaky business because there is a small amount of team and therefore that means if something happened like what what happened to me or if you functionally can't work the business properly um production wise anymore then it then it really shakes things up and it makes things unprofitable really quickly so um so yeah there was obviously obviously a drop in a drop in turnover and a increase in wages so so you've identified the fact that um things are starting to 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 go bad you're starting to lose money you're not there anymore. You, you, your your team's loyal, but it's 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 not working the way that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's your thought process at this point of like, okay, this this is not good. So I knew when I came back into it. Um, at, so my accident happened in August the year before, and I came back in February uh, the following year. I knew that I was behind the eight ball, and I had to pick it up so we'd back down to those sales i was back in baking um so i tried to strip some of the costs back again um really make the sales team a lot leaner so i did i I went back to doing things that i was doing before especially in the smaller shops so i would um i'd bake every single sunday because the sunday rates were so high um but i'd also sell so i would i would take probably two sales wages out of that Sunday and that would save me sort of um, $200, $300 across the board on a Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. So I really tried to strip it back. I made sure that we were, you know, um, our cost of goods were properly in line. Like we had really good controls over that time and my bakery manager doing a really good job. But, you know, there's always half a percent or 1% that, that a, that a um, person working for you isn't going to see rather than an owner. And, um um, I just made sure that we try to get them to, you know, A plus plus standard, um, rather than probably a you know an A minus or B plus. So wow. it, it was just it was just trying to make sure that we did the one percent as well more often, um, you know, and I did communi- more community outreach and sponsored you know local things, which is always what any local business should do is, is make sure they can really connect with the community and. Um, you know, I got behind promotions even more and, you know, just gave away a lot of free bread at the end of the day to, 
to both charities but also customers and I just I was looking for those little moments in in the day to try and to try and almost get that little win that would bring us back like I was yeah. I was constantly looking for something that was small that was going to come back and it was going to make a business proper again but it just wasn't just wasn't gelling Jace. So you, you you come back in at February mm. and it sounds like you're just working your ass off. You're going mm-hmm. overtime on sales. You're, you're yeah. reinventing your whole process in regards to looking at when you're baking, when staff members are on, like you're going through everything mm-hmm. to make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, how long till the fact you're like, okay, I've I've got to look at another option here. I've got to look at winding this up. How long does that take? So I reckon, I reckon I started to see it in probably July of that year, and obviously, so in these days, I was doing my own profit and loss statements. I was banking every single, you know, daily banking that we would do. Um, uh, I'd see every part of the cash, you know, of the balance sheet going in and out. Like I'd understand the whole financials of the business. So I was really close to it. it wasn't foreign to me. I wasn't being hoodwinked uh, by someone. Um, so probably July. And I was like, I don't know how long, much longer I can trade this without um, a cash injection. You know, I had a, I had a, um, had an overdraft, um, you know, $15,000, $20,000 overdraft um, already in place. Um, and I was like, I just don't think I can trade, you know, out of out this. Of this. I, don't, yeah. I don't know what else I can, I can possibly do. It was um, just starting to affect me emotionally. And I was just, I suppose after the car accident happened and because it was so severe, I was really challenged by how I was feeling about everything, not let alone the bakeries as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So six months in, mm. um, six months in from you returning, Mm. to the business mm. working on it full time mm. and and around July you start to say okay mm. I, I can't trade my way out of this mm-hmm. and this is where the story get, get also gets quite interesting too yeah oh, correct oh. Um, explain, explain to it lay it out for us what happens next in regards to, to like the, the business side of things and let's talk about the personal after that so so I was still living at home with my – so I've gone back to living at home with my parents at this stage, obviously, after the car accident happened. So, mm. And they were also my, you know, one of my major investors, right? like that, <laughs> yeah. my only investor <laughs> and also my major shareholder, right? They had 66% of your business. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. So, um, so I remember um, – because my mother would – my mother would uh, does bookkeeping as well, right? So she would see – she would see all the financials as well. Like she would, she would understand where the balance sheet was at. She would understand all those things. And I remember sort of the the start of August, and and I remember sitting down with them both and talking it through. And um, me having conversation with um, with both of them, saying, "Look, I don't know." I don't think we can pull through this. I'm the sole director of this business and I'm worried that if I continue to trade it, that it's going to be insolvent. Um, and mum was like, no, 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 no. Like, don't worry. It's fine. You'll trade out of it, Sean. Look how far you've come. Like, you've got through everything else. You'll get through this. Like, it wow. It doesn't matter. Like, she was just so, 
lovely but so blinded by the fact of what was actually happening. She did, she wanted to will it to be okay. Yeah. And I remember my dad was a lot more forthright. He was he was like, okay, we need to listen to what Sean's saying. Like, this is where it's at. Like, let's look at the black and white stuff. And and that's when I, I said, Mum, like I love to them both of I said, I've got to make this call for me. I've got to we've got to do this. Uh, I, I'm going to wind it up, but we've got to do it properly. We want to do it, make sure that we are doing it honestly. I said, um, I've got, you know, um, a lot riding on this. They had a lot riding on as well, um, and um, both financially and emotionally, and um, and and that was the situation. So, um, I guess I had, you know, my main investor who owned thirty thirty three percent of the business, like saying to me, "Don't wind it up," um, and I'm saying, "Look, I'm, I'm in this every day, and and I don't think." You know, the, like I've been in it for 10 years now and I don't think that um, I'm going to get it back. So that was a really yeah, man. humbling moment. So we, so I arranged, so I told my accountant, next stage I told my accountant. I'd obviously talked to him. I had a very good relationship with, with Grant, who's um, just an incredible person, let alone accountant. Um, at the time, we were obviously talking about the business and he would be very good at being black and white. Um, um about where the business was at, what he was around. thinking. Yeah. yeah. And I said, look, I need a really good contact to, to wind this up properly. And we, um, we talked to some uh, liquidation, basically liquidation lawyers essentially who deal with um, when you go into voluntary liquidation or administration or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do and had a chat with them and how much that would cost and what the process would be and how it would be wound up and what would happen. So I need, I need to understand as the person who was on the hook for everything um, other than my parents, obviously, but like who was, who was on the books on the hook um, that uh, what the process would be, you know, I'm, I'm 26, 27 at this stage. Like I'm, I, I, you know, think I'm top shit, but I'm, I'm really a young man and I needed to really hear what the real world was going to do to me. Yes. Mm. What, what, like what are the, 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 not the consequences, like, but the what's what what comes next. So basically, you just you sign a whole lot of documentation saying you're going to do it, and yeah. they're going to be in control um, of the process. Um, they basically become the main. They become the main contact for uh, all your creditors, um, and then uh, they run you through the process of the way you should do it. Um, so, so we did that first. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I remember sitting there on a on a Friday afternoon, uh, late in the afternoon, and we rang the bank first, um, and then and then we rang Banks Delight, and then told them, and then basically I rang all the other creditors. So I had um, personal guarantees against every single creditor, uh, mm. which we had about. Five, about five, um, and most of these businesses, even though they were big businesses, like um, I had personal relationships with a lot of them uh, for yeah. many different reasons. Like that generally happens in in food businesses when you have suppliers, but uh, I mean some businesses, like some some um, suppliers you don't like. Don't get me wrong, but but this is the day that um, like the late sort of 
2006, 2007, around that age, where you would ring, you would ring up to place a phone order, right? Um, <laughs> you don't do so, it online or something. Yeah, you don't do it online or an email or you know, uh, whatever. Like you'd actually ring someone and place a voice, and like place an actual message with an actual operator who would take it <laughs> or a sales rep. So I know that sort of stuff still happens, but not not with every single order. So it was um, it was. It was hard because the week before, you know, the a couple of days before I'd made the decision in my head um, that I was going to do it before I'd had the final meeting with, with the lawyers, um, I started to slow down the ordering of stock. Mm. And my staff were going to me, why are you not ordering more? And I said, oh, look, cash is a bit tight at the moment. Like I'm just, I'm trying to keep it really tight. Like I'm just spacing out my orders a bit more so that, you know, I don't have to pay as much cash because we're on, you know, 14-day terms or, you know, seven-day terms or 30-day terms depending on suppliers. So it was um, it was really hard because that was the first time I lied to my team. Yeah, and I was just, I've been dying to ask, like, man, and this is one of the things that I admire so much about you. How do you, and I'm sure people that are in this kind of situation at the moment with mm. COVID-19 mm. are thinking like, shit, how do I do this to my team? Like, what do I say to my team? How did you handle that? Like, how did you go about telling them about it? How did you, mate, like you, you just said minutes ago, like and they were so loyal to you. Mm. At, at that stage, I'm sure it would have been probably the darkest time of your life going through that recovery after the car crash. Mm. it's it's jace it's so funny how time doesn't take away the emotion from a situation and i sit here now like i was sitting there 12 years ago and so i remember ringing i remember ringing bakes a light and then i rang every every um every supplier as i said and then i rang every staff member after we'd figured out sort of what we we're going to do bakes light rang me back and offered me uh, a, a basically a situational deal to close one of the stores and to continue to trade the other one under a different company name um, for a period of six months to allow me to try and uh, pay off the debt that I had to the supplies that I had mm-hmm. um, and in order to try and keep <clears throat> some of the stuff on board. So that's what we did. So after I'd like that happened within an hour, right? Of the first phone call that already decided that. So, um, so after I had that decision from them, which I wasn't expecting, um, I, I rang every staff member starting from the full timers down and, um, and I told them what the situation was and I told them that, um, uh, I told them what the position was, the business, where I was at, and the fact that uh, I needed to make sure, the fact that I knew they were going to be paid whatever they were owed superannuation-wise, all that kind of stuff, um, and that they weren't going to lose any kind of any kind of money from working from me, and um, that hopefully we can absorb them into the new business um, starting the next week is what we did. Um, Otherwise, if uh, they weren't absorbed, then I would personally ring franchise partners and find them a job within the same sort yeah. of distance. So cool. that was the that was the benefit of being part of a franchise 
Um, the fact and the fact that I had such good relationships with franchisees, um, those around me, and and just yeah. Jader in the community in, That's in awesome. South Australia. So I was able to ring franchise partners and say, "Hey, I've got this great person. I can't absorb him into." what we're doing at the moment, can you take them under these conditions and hours? It would really help me out. Wow. So, and we were able to do that with every staff member, which was a blessing. Out of all of it, which, which ones were the hardest conversations? Which were the hardest? Look, there's probably, there's probably the, There's, pro- there's probably t- there's probably two conversations that were really hard um, after my parents were one actually there was three so one was to a supplier who I had a very good relationship with since I was seventeen uh, who'd always been a supplier of bakes light stores and I had to ring Ian up and tell him what the situation was and the fact that I think I owed him a couple of grand at that point but I would pay him back um, and he said no you're not going to you're not going to pay me back the whole thing. You don't need to. Um, and um, probably, probably, probably the first one was was uh, a girl called Mary, who was a sales sales manager for me, um, who'd been a very very important part of the business. And and the second one, which sort of leads into the third one, uh, sorry, the third one, which sort of leads into almost into the fourth one. Was uh, was Laura and Luke. So Laura and Luke both worked for me. They actually started a relationship, uh, working working underneath my within within my business. Sort of just started before and then my business. So that was pretty cool. They're married with kids now, which is really cool. Wow. But um, but they those three were just like if if those three didn't step up after the car accident happened, then the business went smoked. Yeah. So um. Yeah, it's just they're just very important people that, at that time. Man, I, I, um, I, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. That's that'd be <clears throat> tough, All right? Like, mm. um, I, I, I view it knowing you so many years after it, right? So many years after it, I, I, it makes sense that the the person that you are. Um, it makes sense the way that you operate, the way that you treat relationships. It makes sense after all of that. But um, one thing that I did want to ask about, you know, like people who uh, are in the hospitality space, you know, that are, that are listening to this this podcast and that that follow you and what you've been doing, um, what kind of lessons do you think that they could benefit from during this time? You know, with COVID nineteen and and the, um, the shutdown. Given your experience, like maybe what kind of things should they be looking at in their business mm. if it's healthy or if it's not healthy, if it can survive a time like this or if it cannot survive a time like this? What kind mm. of, um, like you, I know you're very kind of detail oriented, what kind of things should they be looking at? Mm. I think just to give it some context, I was, I was almost fortunate in the fact that I had from the car accident and then coming back that I had time to gain perspective yeah. and because I had work, been working so hard in either one or two of those businesses over that period of time, Jace, and working so many hours, I'd probably deliberately worked 
so many hours to not think of the money, not think of the situation I was in and think about where the business was actually at. Like I, I thought I could just work my way through it if I just work a bit harder, um, that it'll be okay. And, and you know, there's not many more hours you can do on 90 to 100 hours a week in order to make your business better. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not, it's not okay to be driving to work on a 20 minute journey and, and, and almost fall asleep three times. Like that's not, yeah. that's not okay to work that hard. So I think if, if I'm to take any kind of um, um, similarities between these two situations, the fact that I had time at that point to actually think about what was important for me in the business. And I think that time is now for people who are business owners uh, in the hospitality industry, they actually have time now to, to really think about where they, one, whether they want to continue to be in business, two, how they want to shape it, post it, and, and three, how is their identity wrapped up in their business? And and it, it goes without saying that people's identity are wrapped up in any kind of business, especially something like hospitality, because all we talk about is what, all we hear all day is what people think of what we do, mm. right? That how was that cup of coffee? How was, how was that meal? How was that service? You know, the music was too loud. Like all we do is hear critiques, right? So your your ego gets wrapped up in what you do every day in your venue. So, um, and that doesn't matter whether you've got one or 50, right? doesn't matter. Yeah, true. So I think, um, I think I was able to gain perspective. I think if, if I was to say anything, if, if your business was trending down more than sort of 10 to 20% year on year, before COVID happened, it's not going to improve. You should you should wind it up. Um, if if it if it wasn't on a, at least a level playing field, if you weren't trending up, you know, somewhat. If you can't feel some numbers, and that's you know, there's a lot of things that take up people's thought pat, thought pattern when they think about their venue and if it's going okay and all that kind of stuff. Because you always want to think the positive way. But if it's not if it's not just you know team related now like the game's changed now people when when we do have venues open again when people are allowed to stand closer to 1.5 meters to towards each other then it's still going to take people a long time to actually trust their normal patterns before COVID-19 and so it means that your business is going to take a long time to come back to some sort of profitability so that means you need to you need to think about your staff moving in to that business again. Um, do they feel safe enough to? Do do you have enough money to pay them if it doesn't go well? Um, you know, a, a, a ten thousand dollar or twenty thousand dollar grant from the government um, isn't isn't going to um, sustain most businesses if they weren't trending well beforehand. Um, and I know I say that pretty bluntly, but it, it, it's a, it's, there's a lot of black and white decisions that need to be made over yeah. six to 12 months. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I, I, that's, that's what, I think that's what I was looking for in, in asking that around like what, what's real, because it's so true. You get when you're in it and when you're in it all day, every day, it's noisy. And you can look at everything. You can look at, you can be dealing with staff issues. You can be dealing with this. You can be dealing on with this next project and your menu and you this, like everything. And you're not looking at, or even asking yourself that simple question of what you said at the start, like, do I still want to do this? Yeah. 
Uh, like that's just mm. such a fundamental question. You, you you never really get to slow down and ask yourself like, do I still want to be here? Mm. Um, and you're so right. Like it's people have got time now to ask themselves that. Yeah, like a, for, I think I think the hospitality industry is going to be slowly better for it in the next in the next you know after we look after this in the next year or two years. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of casualties, and I mean that in businesses, and I mean that in people, unfortunately. Um, but this is this is the time to really think about why you bought into hospitality. Yeah, and so there's I, I'm, I'm I, I dare say that um, you know, there'll, there'll definitely be some people who are like, yes, I'm tired, I don't want to do this anymore. There'll mm. definitely be people who look at their numbers and be like, yes, you know, we have been trending down ten percent for the last few years. And okay, cool. It's it's not a good idea to keep going. Mm. Um, what about the people on the other side of, of, of that, right? Of around the people who do have some you know, reserves, or they were trending upwards, and things were looking good. What kind of advice would you have for them to come back um, innovative, stronger, um, with a new flavor, with a new look? Like, or what what would you? Is it getting back to basics, or what what would you recommend they come back with? Mm. I think I think you can't you can't you can't open in in the same way that you closed. So you can't you can't go back to business as normal straight away. You need to, like any good hospitality owner, you need to understand and get your smell test of what the market is actually wanting before before you really understand what you need to do with the business. Um, we need to we need to see how the if you're in a CBD environment, how the corporates come back into their offices, how they're actually going to spend once they're back. Um, this period of working from home is really going to change the way that um, corporate offices are. And I think you're going to see people who were there Monday to Friday um, no longer be there Monday to Friday. Um, they might be there Monday to Wednesday or Monday to Thursday. So that's going to, that's, that in itself is a massive change to hospitality. Um, it means a lot less units of sales. Um, so you need to think about that and, and by way how, how you staff it. Um, and I think the most important thing is just to slow the approach. You've got to, you know, come back with, come back with yourself, come back with you, you know, your, your core team, um, come back with, um, the people who you really think you could have developed in the business first, um, look after them, tell them what the situation is, what you feel is going to happen, but also what might not happen. Um, just so you're open and honest with them because the, the fact is that no one knows. The government doesn't know. Yeah. Um, the best hospitality owner in Australia doesn't know. Um, we just need to see how the market plays out and that takes patience and that takes time and, unfortunately, that usually takes money. So yeah. if, you, if, you, um, if you benefit enough to, to have some cash reserves and you want to still go at it, then uh, you need to be patient. So I'm, I, from I'm, from what I'm hearing there is like come back and listen, come back and listen to your oh, staff, come 100%. back and listen to the market, come back and listen to your customers, come mm. back and listen to everything and anything, and that will direct you to where you want to be or, or you know, like what what you should be offering. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people will just become better listeners. Um, yeah. after this period. Like I'm, I'm not saying that from a hospitality standpoint, I'm just saying that from a human standpoint. Um, and a lot of people have asked me the last couple of days, like what, what's kind of 
the biggest thing you would say or the biggest hope that you would grant on the hospitality industry coming out of this? And, and my answer has been the fact that they remember how this feels. So they're grateful wow. for what they actually have. And um, that's how I always have felt when I think of the car accident. And I think I need to remember how that felt. So I'm grateful for what else I have post that. So, you know, if I can, yeah, if I can bless anything on you, it's, it's, it's definitely that. We've got to understand how this feels right now so we don't want to feel this again and we know what to do. Hey, man, that's, um, that talks exactly to the point of, of what I was trying to make before. Like, I know you after the car accident, after you wrapped up all your businesses and all that type of stuff. And I see you, the way that you conduct yourself with any team that you inject yourself with, if you're launching a new brand here in Australia, if you're launching some restaurants, if you're, you know, overseeing a particular region for some restaurants, like I, I you care about people, mm. um, you listen and like, you're one of the best listeners that I've ever known. <laughs> um, but, but like your skill set that like I'm using some dramatic words because we're on a podcast here mm. ended up being your demise. Like you mm. stripping back your business and trying to pull all these different levers around, like, you know, uh, the entrepreneurial stuff you did with doing wholesale. And you, you know, you, you try to do the cooks on, on Sundays or the bakes on Sundays, like all these different levers that you're pulling is now why you're such a phenomenal operations manager. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And that you can, you can, go into any pretty much venue, restaurant, cafe, and you can, be, you can see levers that other people can't see mm. because you've done it. Like it, mm. that hardship in your life developed the greatest skill set that you've got now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's, that's what makes me feel hopeful that this will be a better industry afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, is those that are smart enough to understand this situation and realize what they have to do next will not only survive, but thrive, Jace. So it, um, it's just, a, I think it's just overall, it's just a very painful time for an industry, which is so built on community yeah. to, to all go through it together. And, um, uh, you know, that's both a very positive thing, but also just a very emotive and draining thing, um, for the whole industry and people I talk to every day, no matter if they're like in the UK, I like talk to people in the UK and, and America today. Like it's the same, man. It's the same everywhere. So, um, if yeah. if people are looking for someone to talk to for some advice around how they can um, go through the right steps to wrap up their business, or you know how to come back and you know what kind of levers they should be pulling or should, you know, to come back in the right kind of way. How can they reach out to you? How can they contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess there's two there's two major ways if you if you wanted to just email me at, at Sean at openpantryco.com. Uh, otherwise we've got a really cool feature on the podcast now. If you look in the bio of this podcast, you can actually leave a message and a question. Um, it would just say, I want to leave a message and, and you can do that as a direct link to me. Um, that's probably the, the best way to uh, best way to reach out to me and, and have a chat, obviously. Um, uh, I've got a pretty good perspective uh, on this, Chase. So, um, sure. so that'd be great. But um, thank you so much for being uh, the host again to um, to what is a very um, hard topic to talk about, but I know one that's going to provide a lot of value to people. So, 
um, people can hear the um, the empathy and the um, fantastic nature in your voice, Jace. Like I know you're coaching people. Like I know that's something you're going to get. You're definitely going to continue to do over your lifetime. Like what's the best way that people to contact you and talk to you? Mate, um, yeah, so that people can reach out if they're looking for any type of sales, coaching or training for their staff members. One of the things that I'm um, looking at doing next month is offer, offering a uh, free sales process audit just to make sure that people are yeah, really good. optimizing every single sales <laughs> opportunity they've got. Uh, mate, I'll, 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 I like to do it through email as well. So jt at jasontitus.com.au mm-hmm. or they can also reach me on LinkedIn. It's just um, LinkedIn slash Jason Titus. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, LinkedIn, e- email is always the best. But um, yeah, man, it's been an honor speaking to you again and, and being able to interview you. You know, I, I come up, I, I'm leaving this conversation revved up for, you know, the other side of COVID and um, looking to listen to my customers and looking to listen to how I can add value and what people want and, you know, um, just adjusting with what the market's saying that they, what they want from me. Yeah. It's all about listening, honesty, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Jace, thanks so much. I really so much for tuning in to another episode of the open pantry podcast i hope you really enjoyed it and got something out of it once again please make sure you leave me some feedback through that little link you'll see in the bio of this podcast and as always make sure you please subscribe and share if you think it's valuable to other people with inside the hospitality industry i think they're really going to enjoy it and i hope you enjoy it as well until next time please stay safe